0: This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. I'm Ben Brotmarkel and coming up on this week's program, the inaugural meeting of the St. Augustine 450th Commemoration Commission. This
1: celebration won't be just in St. Augustine. Uh, it will be out to all these other parts of Florida that the Spanish explorers,
0: We'll talk with a collector of unusual antiques and discuss the origin of Florida's cattle industry.
2: They've worked them around these missions and they begin to teach the Indians the ways of the good book and how to farm and also work the livestock also. That and more ahead
0: on Florida Frontiers. The St. Augustine 450th Commemoration Commission has been established to plan, develop, carry out, and find funding for a two-year recognition of Florida's Spanish colonial history. The commemoration will begin in 2013 with activities and events recognizing the 500th anniversary of the naming of Florida by Juan Ponce de Leon. The commemoration will culminate in 2015 with the 450th anniversary of the founding of St. Augustine in 1565. St. Augustine is the oldest permanent European settlement in North America. U.S. Senator Bill Nelson led the effort to establish the St. Augustine 450th Commemoration Commission and was on hand for its inaugural meeting.
1: This is the kickoff of not only the celebration for St. Augustine, but for Florida and the United States, because it was the Spanish explorers that came first. Uh, to Florida well before the English and of course uh, in 1565 the establishment of the first and continuous settlement but long before uh, we had Ponce de Leon and a series of explorers that came after him uh, each touching a different part of the United States but all first landing on what is La Florida. Uh, The celebration will be from the years 2013 to 2015, commemorating the 500 years of Ponce de Leon, and then the 450 years of St. Augustine, of which in between, there is a rich, rich history of exploration primarily of Florida, but the Southeastern United States. And uh, who better to appoint that commission? And it is a star-spangled commission when you see the people on this commission. Who better to appoint that than an eighth generation Hispanic American whose roots go straight back to La España? And that is
0: our Secretary of the Interior, Secretary Ken Salazar. The 13-member St. Augustine 450th Commemoration Commission was appointed by Secretary Salazar and approved by President Obama. The panel includes Florida historian Michael Gannon, who played a pivotal role in the 400th anniversary of St. Augustine in 1965, former Florida Governor and U.S. Senator Bob Graham, and Jay Kislak, a National Park Foundation board member whose foundation has an extensive collection of Spanish colonial artifacts, maps, and documents. Also on the commission are historic preservationist Catherine Dickinson, former Florida Secretary of State Bruce Mathers, and Andrew Young, who was instrumental in the civil rights demonstrations in St. Augustine during the summer of 1964. Secretary of the Interior Ken Salazar.
3: Here in uh, St. Augustine today we are really celebrating uh, two major things. First, uh, the celebration of the diversity of uh, this country and uh, Florida and its very rich history. And uh, it's a uh, celebration which uh, goes beyond St. Augustine to so many places around Florida which are so rich in history and really are so much a part of the mosaic of uh, the history of the United States of America and the New World. Uh, And so that's what we celebrate uh, today, in my view, as uh, one significant point. The second is uh, the job creation that comes with uh, these kinds of efforts. You know, National Park and St. Augustine are visited by millions of people. Those who come here to this wonderful and spectacular place spend their money here. And so as we work very hard to make sure that we're doing everything possible to bring jobs back and a healthy economy to Florida, This kind of initiative that will celebrate uh, the 450th year of the the founding of St. Augustine and the 500th year of the landing here of uh, Ponce de Leon are all parts of those efforts uh, to make sure that we're doing everything we can to uh, enhance job creation.
0: The two-year commemoration of Florida's Spanish colonial history that the Commission is planning will stimulate culture and heritage tourism in Florida. Statistics gathered by the National Trust for Historic Preservation demonstrate that when compared to other tourists, culture and heritage tourists spend significantly more money and stay longer in hotels, motels, or bed and breakfasts. Florida is the fourth most popular destination for culture and heritage tourists following California, Texas, and New York. Senator Bill Nelson believes the upcoming commemoration of Spanish colonial history will help to stimulate Florida's economy.
1: Look at uh, the 400th anniversary celebration of Jamestown. Remember, that was 1607. Uh, That was an economic boom for the southeastern uh, part of Virginia. Uh, We have 42 years on Jamestown, 1565. And this celebration won't be just in St. Augustine. Uh, It will be out to all these other parts of Florida that the Spanish explorers touched. Fort Myers, uh, Cape Canaveral, Pensacola, Tampa, the Panhandle of Florida. Of course, Miami with its rich Latin culture will be a major part and you see a couple of prominent members of the uh, commission are from miami and are direct descendants from spain so we will have a statewide celebration uh, that will all the more call attention to our hispanic roots direct from spain which will also Uh, bring in a lot more tourists and a lot more economic activity. I'll point out one other thing. Ponce de Leon was the governor of Puerto Rico. Puerto Ricans, Puerto Ricanos, are American citizens. There are as many Puerto Ricans in the continental United States as there are on the island, and almost a million Puerto Ricanos are here in Florida. They are very proud of their former governor, Ponce de Leon, so they will be celebrating uh, this whole
0: occasion with us. Florida helps to define the boundaries of the modern era. Cultural historians identify the European Renaissance of the 1400s and 1500s as the beginning of the modern era. It was during the Renaissance that the Spanish explorers were inspired to discover and colonize La Florida. The moment that Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon on July 21, 1969, is identified as the end of the modern era and the beginning of the postmodern era. America's manned missions into space, all launched from Florida, continue the spirit of exploration seen in Florida's earliest European settlers. In 1986, Senator Bill Nelson served as a payload specialist aboard the space shuttle Columbia, As the shuttle program ends, Nelson reflects on that experience. It's serendipity
1: that uh, when I flew in the early part of the space program uh, 25 years ago, we had as part of our crew the first Hispanic American. We actually did an interview live in Spanish with the president of Costa Rica, uh, the native uh, country from which Dr. Franklin Chang-Diaz came. And uh, so uh, today, interesting uh, completion of this story, Dr. Chang Diaz is developing a plasma rocket that will take us to Mars in 39 days instead of conventional technology that will take us 10 months. And the goal that the president has set now is
0: to go to Mars. The two-year commemoration of Florida's Spanish colonial history is being designed to have a positive economic impact on the state. Beyond financial considerations, Senator Nelson explains why our state's history, going back to the 1500s, should be important to contemporary Floridians.
1: Well, for every school kid, they ought to know what caused this establishment, the founding of this country. And where did we get the legal principles uh, and how uh, our heritage here is so interwoven in this rich tapestry that today we call the United States of America. There is no better example than Florida, not only from the historical standpoint, but from the present day, because Florida is a microcosm of the country in large part because the country has moved to Florida. And so now we can take this rich tapestry of the American people and now we can focus back
0: at its very beginning and understand from whence we came. In addition to planning and coordinating the two-year commemoration of Spanish colonial history, the new commission must identify funding sources for the activities and events and make recommendations to the federal government. Secretary of the Interior, Ken Salazar. You know, today's an
3: inaugural meeting of the commission, and so what they have done uh, and will be doing soon is electing a chairman of the commission and uh, setting forth their timelines and uh, what they need in order to be able to be successful. But I'm very confident with uh, the support of David Vella and uh, Gordy Wilson from here in St. Augustine, the National Park Service, and just the caliber of the members who sit on this commission that it'll be successful. So coming out of this meeting today, what I expect to happen is that you'll have the blueprint uh, for this uh, journey to get us to the celebration. Yeah, there's a lot of excitement about this. I was uh, speaking with Senator Nielsen earlier about my recent trip to Spain and the fact that uh, the Crown Prince of Astoria is uh, very interested also in what's happening here in uh, St. Augustine, Florida. I remember several years ago, uh, meeting with uh, King Juan Carlos and Queen Sofia. And uh, they were very interested at the time about uh, the history of Florida and St. Augustine and uh, the rich history of this place. So this is uh, truly uh, a wonderful day. And uh, we know we have a lot of work ahead of us. uh, But with the kind of beginning that Senator Nielsen and uh, Mayor Dole and others have given us here, I think this is going to turn out uh, to be one of the national celebrations uh, that will just focus not only the... Floridian community, but the United States, and I think the world, uh, on this uh, on this historic occasion.
0: The St. Augustine 450th Commemoration Commission is planning for an ongoing recognition of Florida's Spanish colonial history to take place between 2013 and 2015. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Join us on the web at myfloridahistory.org. You can find out about upcoming events, shop for great books on Florida history and culture, listen to archived editions of this program, and much more. While you're there, become a member of the Florida Historical Society by clicking on the Join Now button. You'll get our journal, the Florida Historical Quarterly, and much more. That's myfloridahistory.org. In
1: 1513, Spanish explorer Juan Ponce de Leon landed on Florida's shore, beginning a cultural relationship between Spain and Florida that will be commemorated throughout the state on its 500th anniversary in 2013. This moment in Florida history features Bonnie McEwen, director of archaeology at Mission San Luis, Tallahassee.
4: During Spanish colonial times, Indian warriors were often great ballplayers. In fact, the Appalachian ball game, a type of football, was known as the younger brother of war because of the skills required and the often violent outcomes. The games were generally played in the spring and summer and were dedicated to the gods of rain and thunder. The Appalachians believed that ball game victories translated into successful crops. Although Catholic missionaries repeatedly called for the abolition of the games, the Appalachies continued to play them. Much like football today, the most talented ball game players enjoyed a special status in their communities and were treated like celebrities. The audience enjoyed pre- and post-game rituals and celebrations, and both Spaniards and Indians were known to gamble on the outcome.
1: Bonnie McEwen is Director of Archaeology at Mission San Luis, Tallahassee. This Moment in Florida History was created and produced by the Florida Humanities Council with funds from the Florida Department of State Division of Cultural Affairs, commemorating 500
0: years of Spanish history and culture in Florida. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. From Mount Dora to Ocala to Titusville, you can find great antique shops all over Florida. As Janie Gould reports, at any one of them, you might run into Casey Scott as she looks for more unusual antiques.
5: Some people collect coins or seashells, but Casey Scott of Stewart collects oddities that used to be everyday implements. One of them, a pretty scary-looking tool, was used by ranchers who were trying to wean calves away from their mothers. Casey's husband, Bill Scott, said someone else told them what it was.
2: We had one man come in here and said, oh, I know what that is, and told us.
5: Where did you get it? No idea. I bought it at an antique store. And it's a spiky-looking iron thing. Looks like a torture device in a way, I guess it was. Yeah, from that to this, okay. And this is a... Looks like a hoe,
6: only it's made out of silver and it's very small. It's a pusher.
5: A pusher. It's a piece of silverware, table utensil. Instead of pushing something on your fork with your finger,
6: which you're not supposed to do, and you don't have any bread, maybe, this is what you're supposed to use.
5: This is a collection in the Scott's family room. Some of the stuff is behind a glass case, some of it's not. And it's Casey Scott's weird collection.
6: Everybody says, don't you want to just say unusual? I said, no, people say, what is
5: this weird thing? That's what it is. I'm looking at two, look like small can openers. What are they?
6: You are young.
5: You're kind. (laughs) These are skate keys. Okay, let's look in here. Casey is opening a uh, leather box.
6: This is a fish about, what, five inches
5: long? A plastic fish, five inches long? It's not plastic, ceramic.
6: It's ceramic and it's blue, and it's very pretty. It's a knife rest.
5: Okay, what else is in this leather case? You know what this
6: weird thing is?
5: This looks like a miniature castanet. Does it make noise? No, it doesn't. Back when the depression was
6: on, we didn't throw socks away and just go get another pair of socks. My mother, my grandmother, and others, you know, used to use an egg. But then someone thought of putting a handle on it made it easier to darn the socks.
5: So they put the sock over this thing, and then
6: they were able to mend it. Okay, this is something I wore when I was a kid. Most people wore it on their leg. It's the key to your locker when you go swimming. I grew up in Silver Springs.
5: Now you're holding what looks like a piece of iron. It looks like it's been carved. Actually, it's called an alligator wrench. It's what
6: you use on Model A's and Model T's. See the little niches here? Looks like the jaw. It's fun from the past, too.
5: You're holding a little brown shoe, a man's shoe, dress shoe. It looks like for a big doll. They
6: used to have them in the general stores, and if you liked this particular one, you ordered it, they didn't have the shoes in the store. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. This one, very Florida. Not only is it orange, like University of Florida. Got to get that in. (laughs) We're gators.
5: It's a little plastic tool of some sort with a kind of a cup at the top. Well, not a cup. No. It was something you would put in an orange and then suck the juice out. That's right. Did you do that in Ocala back when there were lots of oranges in Ocala? sucked it right out of the orange. Didn't you get that acid taste on your mouth sometimes? No, my daddy used to take
6: the outside off and make a nice little hole there, and then you squeeze it and you got it.
5: Did you have orange trees in your yard at that time in Ocala?
6: Orange trees and pear trees.
5: I didn't know pears grew that far south. Well,
6: these were wild pears, I think, but they were good and made good pies. You didn't eat them straight.
5: Well, this is a slice of old Florida right here in your family room. I have this. It looks like a small version of that darning yeah. tool, which looked like a small version of a castanet. So what's this? But it's got a very
6: sharp point. This is the way they used to make the points for Braille, the
5: whole. So it's a Braille writer, an early Braille writer. I'll show you something, if I can find it. Casey Scott sometimes used her collection as teaching tools when she taught at Martin County High School.
0: Janie Gould prepared that report. This is Florida Frontiers.
4: I can't let you slide through my head
0: The Spanish explorers of the 1500s brought both horses and cattle to Florida. Florida's cattle industry was once more important to the state's economy than either tourism or citrus. As Sally Watt reports, Florida's cattle industry started with the Spanish explorers of the 1500s.
7: The story of Spanish horses and cattle in Florida spans 500 years. The first Spanish explorers arrived in the 1500s. Next, Spain tried to convert the native people to Catholicism and used their labor to build a network of missions primarily across North Florida. Spanish horses worked around the missions and cattle were raised for food. Tony rooster Morell is park manager at Lake Kissimmee State Park where small herds of the horses and cattle are kept today.
2: They worked them around these missions and they begin to teach the Indians the ways of the good book and how to farm and also work the livestock also. So, it took them a hundred years to do this. Build a mission from San Augustine to Pensacola. Once they got that accomplished, other countries began to get involved. The Indians began to burn them out and it just got too hot for them and they had to leave and they had so many livestock in that hundred years it grew up.
7: It was the Creek Indians and the English in the early 1700s who staged the raids on the missions. The Spanish abandoned the post and returned to Spain. Thousands of head of cattle and horses were left to roam free. But the Indians who had worked at the missions still used them.
2: The Indians loved the horses because they had already been taught to work the cattle. Nobody owned them. There were no marks, no brands, anything put on them during this time frame. The Indians always had a few of them, and they used every portion of it to make boats or hides and this and that. You've got to remember, they were so plentiful that uh, if they wanted one, they just went out and shot it and eat it. There was no reason for anybody to own them, you know, or take care of them, anything like that.
7: The Spanish horses and cattle were still running loose when the first homesteaders started settling in North Florida in the late 1700s. The settlers used the horses, and the cattle continued to roam free. During the Civil War, a settler could make $6 a head selling a cow to the hungry Confederate Army. There was a $36 limit, But although $36 was a lot of money to a homesteading family, Morrell says there wasn't much they could spend it on.
2: Food and a little money to buy seed corn or seed if the weevils got into it and you couldn't preserve it, or shoes for the kids or this or that, and maybe some clothes or something, still bought clothes.
7: Could they buy more land?
2: Well, they could, but uh, most of them couldn't take care of what they had. When they came here, they were poor, poor and snakey. I mean, they didn't have anything, you gotta remember. And if they got a land grant, 160 acres was a homestead. That's what was given to them. And if you've ever plowed a mule, about an acre from daylight to dark all you gonna plow, you see, and 160 acres, you know. And uh, there wasn't any fence laws back then. If you made too big of a garden, you had to put a fence around it and to keep the cows out of it.
7: The big money from cattle sales was being made from running the union blockade and delivering boatloads of cattle to Cuba. From there, they were shipped to Spain In 350 years, the cattle had made it full circle back to the country from which they came. The animals became known as cracker horses and cracker cattle when the settlers, known as crackers, domesticated the horses and began herding the cattle. The horses were prized for their endurance and fast walk. Cracker cowboys worked the open Florida range until the animals began being phased out in the 1930s. The cracker horses and cattle were small compared to the horses and cattle in the western states. During the Depression, the government introduced bigger, more profitable cattle into Florida. They required larger, stronger horses. The cracker horses and cattle began to die out.
2: Part of Lake Kissimmee State Park is set aside as an 1876
7: cow camp. South Central Florida was the heart of the state's frontier cattle country and the life of early Florida cowboys is interpreted here. There's a cowboy who will offer up coffee and biscuits and talk about the old days. Across the way is a pen that holds about a dozen head of cracker Mm. cattle and another with a few cracker horses. The cows are definitely smaller and thinner than the average cows of today. There's a wide range of colors and mixture of colors. They have a patch of long hair in between their ears. Morella's breeding them selectively to get a particular look.
2: And see the old black cow on the other side? That's a typical cow that came here with the Spanish. Black cow with that little bit of red.
7: The horses are considered rare. There's only 500 registered cracker horses in Florida. But their numbers are increasing. They come in every color known to horse.
2: This is what we call gray. Step around.
7: Morell obviously takes great pride in them and takes Cracker Jill for a walk. At Lake Kissimmee State Park, I'm Sally Watt. With funding from the Florida Department of State, Division of Cultural Affairs, this report was produced by the Florida Humanities Council.
0: You've been listening to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. Please join us right here again next week, and until then, visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org, join us on Facebook at Florida Historical Society, and follow us on Twitter at MyFLHistory. Have a great week. I'm Ben Broatmarkle.